1: Let's settle in now for another year in movie music with host Jeff Cummings.
0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. In the year 1967, three original musicals had songs nominated, the first time that had happened in many years. That continued in 1968 with three songs from original musicals nominated for the Academy Award. The other two songs were from A Sexy Crime Caper and A Romantic Comedy, both of which didn't seem like the kind of films that would have an original song. One song that almost got an Oscar nomination came from an outlandish comedy from a first-time film director who would begin to build his legacy as one of the best comedy directors. Though the Academy's music branch had been requiring for more than a decade that all eligible songs would be written specifically for the movie, the rulebook for 1968 was the first time that the Academy used the word original in the name of the category. Officially, the name of the category became best song and in parentheses, original to the picture. The score categories were also using original to separate music scores from those that were relying heavily on previously composed music, including musicals that came from Broadway. But that was the only change that the Academy made with the song category, so the rest of it was business as usual. At the end of the last episode, I said that Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Heusen would be back with another nominated song, and we'll start off this episode with that tune. The song is the title song from the Julie Andrews musical, Star, which has an exclamation mark at the end, so it's called, Star! And that's the same for the title song, which Andrews sings in what we might think are the opening credits of the movie we're watching but it's actually the opening credits of the documentary that Andrews is watching in the film as British stage star Gertrude Lawrence. The lyrics speak of someone who chicer than chic, who has a way with a ditty, and who is worshipped from afar. And that is supposed to be about Gertrude Lawrence, but could apply to Julie Andrews at the time, too.
2: if the lady's naughty but proper if the lady's chicer than chic if her escorts must wear a topper and each man's the man of the week if she rides around in a brand new foreign car the chances are the lady's a star if the lady's brilliantly the dialogue flash, if the lady's way with a ditty makes the ditty seem like a smash, if her songs add up to a fancy repertoire, the chances are, the lady's a star, if her smallest party is really extensive, with tons of expensive caviar. If the lady is someone with the same credentials, someone with the same essential, someone who is worshipped from afar, she's a genuine, positive, totally marvelous, perfectly wonderful. Loving and bizarre If the lady's someone with the same dimension Someone with the same pretension Someone known from Maine to Cooch Baha She's a magical, glorious, radiant, glamorous Thoroughly fabulous
0: Saul Chaplin was the producer of Star, and when it came time to find someone to write a title song for the movie, he immediately asked Sammy Kahn, his old songwriting partner from their days working on Tin Pan Alley in the 1930s. Kahn wanted to do it, but only if Saul Chaplin agreed to work with him on the title song. Chaplin had long since left his songwriting talents behind to work directly with making movie musical adaptations such as West Side Story which won him one of his three Academy Awards for music adaptation. Even though Kahn didn't get to work on the song with Chaplin, he wrote in his memoir that he was grateful for the reunion. So, Jimmy Van Heusen and Sammy Kahn got to write their second song for Julie Andrews in as many years, and even though Julie Andrews gives it a lot of life, there wasn't a chance that it could be made into a hit record. Hey Jude was ruling the radio when the film came out in October 1968, And the Supremes were trying hard to push the Beatles off their perch. A song that's about a 1920s vaudeville star was going to be impossible to turn around into a million-seller in 1968, and the song's Oscar nomination was its only bright point outside the film. Though the critics didn't seem to notice, Star was essentially doing what Funny Girl was doing to much higher acclaim on the movie screen at the same time with Barbara Streisand bringing her Broadway performance as Fanny Brice. The thing that really affected Star was the sagging plot in between the musical performances, which was not the case with Funny Girl. Star managed to get seven nominations, but some of them were competing with Funny Girl for attention come Oscar time. That includes the Best Song category, where Jewel Stein and Bob Merrill added a new song to the film version of Funny Girl to pad the film's chances of earning a lot of Oscar nominations. The two had already written multiple hit songs for the Broadway show, including People and Don't Rain on My Parade. The song they added to the movie, simply called Funny Girl, comes near the end of the film, when Omar Sharif's Nikki is about to go to prison for embezzlement. As he departs, he calls Fanny a funny girl, That prompts the song, which continues as the film returns to the present-day Fanny, who closes out the song performance as she sits in the theater where she was once famous. Part of the song that you hear in Echo is taking place during the transition from the past to the present.
2: Funny, did you hear that? Funny, yeah. The guy said, Honey, you're a funny girl. That's me, I just keep them in stitches doubled in half and though i may be all wrong for the guy i'm good for a laugh i guess it's not funny life is far from sunny when the laugh is over And the joke's on you A girl ought to have a sense of humor That's one thing you really need for.
0: When you line up the song Funny Girl with the other major hit songs from the movie, it doesn't compare. But perhaps in a nod to the original Broadway song score, or perhaps reflecting the lack of really, really good movie songs that year, the music branch gave a nod to the title song for Funny Girl. Joel Stein hadn't written a song for the movies in more than a decade, jetting off to the East Coast in the mid-1950s after winning the Oscar for writing Three Coins in the Fountain. Gypsy and Funny Girl were just two of the Broadway shows Stein was involved with in the intervening years, and when it came to write a new song for Funny Girl's film adaptation, he begged Bob Merrill to join him. Merrill was one of the few Broadway songwriters to never set out for Hollywood, using his downtime between shows to write his own songs. How Much Is That Doggy in the Window and Mambo Italiano are two of his most popular songs that did not make their debuts on stage or on the screen. Bob Merrill never wrote another original song for movies, opting instead to return to Broadway for a musical retelling of the movie Some Like It Hot, called Sugar. The third movie musical of 1968 that found its way onto the Oscar nominations list was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, an attempt by United Artists to replicate the live-action musicals that Walt Disney made popular and that was even more evident when director Ken Hughes hired Dick Van Dyke to star in the movie and bring in the Sherman Brothers to write the songs. After Walt Disney's death in 1966, the Sherman Brothers finished up their work on the two Disney musicals they were contracted to complete, then set off as freelancers for their next assignments. It didn't take long for them to be scooped up for that next project, which was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It told the story of a family's adventures with the car that is called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because of the noises it makes. The novel on which the movie is based was written by Ian Fleming, the author of the James Bond novels. After Fleming's death in 1964, the novel was published, and Albert Broccoli, the producer of the James Bond movies, decided to take on this project as well. Roald Dahl, who had published his novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in 1964, handled the screenplay duties. The Shermans wrote 11 songs for the movie, and though you might think the Academy would have a tough choice in picking the best one, that's not true. The title song, which is the one that earned the Academy Award nomination, is the only standout from the film from a musical standpoint, though there are others that require them to work in some tricky wordplay. The title song has a tongue-tripping note structure, That requires the singer not only to remember what to do, but to do what's called a glottal stop after each note, and to get through the difficult lyrics. The first of three versions of the song come after Dick Van Dyke's character, Caractacus Potts, rebuilds the title car from scrap. His two children get into the car with him for a drive to the seashore, and they sing about this car that makes the unusual noises. Well
3: funny it's
1: making it's talking to us. All in talk. What's it saying? It's saying Chitty 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 bang bang. Chitty 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 bang bang 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 chitty chitty bang bang. Oh you pretty chitty bang bang chitty chitty bang bang we love you and in Chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, what we'll do near, far, in a motor car, oh what a happy time we'll spend. Bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, our fine four-fender friend. Bang bang, kitty, chitty chitty, chitty, chitty bang bang, bang, bang. bang our fine four-fendered friend. Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang, bang bang. Oh, you. Chitty chitty bang bang, bang chitty chitty bang bang. We oh, love you. And in chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. What we'll do Near, far, in our motor car. Oh, what a happy time we spend. Bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, our fine four-fendered friend. Bang, bang, jitty, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, bang. our fine 4 fendered friend. friend. You're sleek as a thoroughbred. Your
2: seats are a feathered bait. You'll to turn everybody's head today.
1: We'll glide on our motor trip.
2: With pride in our ownership,
1: the envy of all we survey. survey. Oh chitty oh, chitty 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 bang bang chitty chitty bang bang we love you And chitty in, chitty pretty chitty bang bang chitty chitty bang bang what we'll do Bill chitty far chitty in our motor car oh what a happy time to we'll spend bang bang, bang bang chitty chitty bang bang, bang. I'll fight for fender friend Bang bang chitty chitty bang bang I'll find for fender chitty chitty bang bang. chitty chitty bang bang chitty chitty bang bang fine for fender chitty chitty friend
0: At the end of the song they see truly scrumptious Yeah, that's her name. And they run her car into a ditch. After rescuing her, Potts brings her along for their trip to the sea and truly sings about her admiration of the car's design.
4: Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty
1: bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Oh, you pretty chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. We love you. Our pretty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty, 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 bang, chitty, bang, chitty bang bang, loves us too. High, low, anywhere we go, on chitty chitty, chitty we depend. Bang, bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, chitty bang, bang, bang our fine four Fender friend. Bang bang, chitty chitty, chitty bang, bang bang, our fine for Fender friend.
2: You're sleek as a bread. your seats are a feather bed. You turn everybody's head. Today.
1: We'll glide on our motor trip with pride in our ownership. The envy of all we survey. Oh, chitty, chitty, pretty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, we love you. And chitty, 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 bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, loves us too. I, chitty, oh, chitty, anywhere we go, on chitty, chitty, we depend. Bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, I'll four for friend.
0: There's a long bit about the car sprouting wings and flying over the sea to rescue the children's grandfather after he was kidnapped by an evil baron. When we get back into the real world, every loose end of the plot is tied up and Potts and truly take off to the air in the flying car. They start singing the final version of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with new lyrics that throws in the made up word phantasmagorical to describe the car as we close out the movie.
1: Our pretty Chitty Bang Bang Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Loves us too High, low, anywhere we go On Chitty Chitty we depend Bang Bang Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Our fine four-fendered friend Bang Bang Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Our fine four-fender friend It's uncategorical A fuel-burning oracle A phantasmagorical machine
2: more than spectacular to use the vernacular. It's wizard. It's smashing.
1: It's, it's key. Oh, chitty you chitty chitty-pritty, bang, bang. chitty-bang-bang, chitty-chitty-bang-bang, we love you. And chitty-ing, chitty-pritty, chitty, bang, bang. chitty-bang-bang, chitty-chitty-bang-bang, what we'll do. Near chitty-far, chitty-inner-world car, oh, what a time we'll spend. Bang-bang, chitty-chitty-bang-bang, bang. I'll find for offended friends.
0: As I said before, all of the songs in the movie are okay, but none of them scream out Academy Award nominee like the title song does. Grown men and women who love this movie as children still sing it, even if they can't get through the difficult melody. The movie, unfortunately, was not a success because it cost so much money that making its money back would have been difficult. Among the three major musicals that were released on the big screen in 1968, this was the only one that couldn't find an immediate audience. Bunny Girl had the critics cheering for Barbara Streisand's performance. The film adaptation of Oliver had an edge to it that made it more than a family film. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was nearly three hours long. Too long for kids and not exciting enough to bring in the adults. The fourth nominated song came from a movie that was indeed a success. It was Faye Dunaway's follow-up to her breakthrough performance in Bonnie and Clyde, and Steve McQueen's first attempt at playing up his status as a sex symbol. The Thomas Crown Affair was the second big movie of 1968 for McQueen, who was also starring as a San Francisco cop in Bullet. Norman Jewison directed The Thomas Crown Affair, turning it into what Roger Ebert called, quote, possibly the most underplotted, underwritten, over-photographed film of the year, end quote. But people still went to see it, and the movie made $14 million at the box office. Norman Jewison wanted Henry Mancini and his jazz sensibilities to participate in the film, but Mancini was busy with another project. So Mancini suggested French composer Michel Legrand who was still riding high from the international success of The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. LeGrand made his Hollywood debut with The Thomas Crown Affair, which involved Legrand doing more than writing a dynamic musical score for the film. There is a scene late in the film where McQueen, as Thomas Crown, is flying a glider in a field. Jewison had edited the scene to the Beatles song Strawberry Fields Forever, but getting the rights to it was insurmountable. So Jewison asked Legrand for an original song to replace it. The lyricists for the song that would replace the Beatles were Allen and Marilyn Bergman. The Bergmans had their breakout hit with the title song for the 1967 Best Picture winner, In the Heat of the Night, which sold a lot of records but surprisingly didn't get an Oscar nomination. That all changed when Norman Jewison, the director of In the Heat of the Night and The Thomas Crown Affair, brought the Bergmans in to collaborate for the first time with Michelle Legrand. Before the song is heard in that scene with McQueen and the glider, we're introduced to it in the opening credits, which are, to use a word from the era, trippy. A bunch of images of Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway in multicolored panels fill the screen as we listen to a song about the spiraling images that can take over a person's mind, like a lost love, Or names of people you forgot.
3: Round like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel. in the windmills of your mind. A tunnel that you follow to a tunnel of its own, down a hollow to a cabin where the sun has never shone, like a door that keeps revolving in a half-forgotten dream. or the ripples from a pebble someone tosses in a stream, like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face. And the world is like an apple whirling silently in space. Like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. Keys that jingle in your pocket, words that jangle in your head. Why did summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along a shore and leave their footprints in the sand. Is the sound of distant drumming just the fingers of your hand? Pictures hanging in a hallway. Fragment of a song, half remembered names and faces, but to whom do they belong? When you knew that it was over, you were suddenly aware that the autumn leaves were turning to the color of her hair. A circle in a spiral, a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning on an ever-spinning reel as the images unwind. Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind
0: The Windmills of Your Mind was sung by Noel Harrison the son of Oscar-winning actor Rex Harrison. Marilyn Bergman had often told the story of the cantankerous relationship between her and Harrison when recording the song. Harrison is English, and he wasn't pronouncing the word shown correctly to help it rhyme with the word own. Bergman used seniority to win the day, but when Harrison made his own commercial recording, he pronounced shown, as the Brits do, with a short vowel sound on the O, like shon. That commercial recording has more elaborate instrumentation than the film version, which makes for a more commercially viable song. I'll let Marilyn Bergman talk about the creation of the song and how it was birthed after watching the glider scene in the Thomas Crown Affair.
5: Norman showed us the film, wonderful film, and in the middle of, roughly the middle of the film, I think, stephen queen. Uh, who had just masterminded a bank robbery, is flying a glider in a, as I remember it, a rather cloudless blue sky. Ah. And a glider has no sound. (laughs) So the only sound on the film is the sound of the wind a little bit. It was heaven, because we were used to being interrupted by dialogue or sound effects, and nothing ever ran very long. And the original cut that he showed us, that Norman showed us, I think it was maybe seven or eight minutes long in that sequence. He said, Norman said, I want a song that's going to show me, tell me, make the audience feel some kind of anxiety that this character was feeling at this moment. The sky is cloudless and he's doing something which is pleasurable for him, and yet uh, there's something that's not right. He said he can't turn his mind off. So we said, okay, we went home. Um, Michel Legrand was here from Paris and he was a house guest of ours at that time. Michel writes, like you turn on a faucet, you know, he writes
6: melodies. Yeah. six, seven, eight melodies. And he
5: wrote six, seven, eight melodies yeah. for this one place. And they were all wonderful and they were completely different. One, not one was like the other. And we couldn't possibly make the choice. And so the three of us decided to just let this, let them sit overnight. And in the morning we came downstairs and the three of us had decided on the same melody. And if one had been asked the night before, <clears throat> it would have been the least likely of the three.
6: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was the, what we chose, it was a Baroque style melody, kind of a never ending. Ribbon. And, you know, like the flying of a glider. You, know.
5: you say that, but <laughs> I never agree with that. I, I never well yeah. maybe you felt that yeah. i never did
6: okay and then uh, you know because of that's
5: called an argument
6: <laughs> I right now that's about it then you know because of what norman wanted to underline the anxiety this character was feeling you know um anxiety is a circular emotion it's like you go to sleep as marina said you can't turn your sometimes you can't turn your mind off so all the, the images in that song are circular images, you know, round like a circle, and a spiral like a wheel within a wheel. And when we got apples, clocks, yeah, and when we got through, we for the first draft, because you know, things are not written; they're rewritten over and over. We um, uh, we we thought that windmills of your mind was a very attractive phrase, and maybe we should find another place for it. Which, which we did in the song. And that became the title, but it didn't start out that way at all.
0: The version of The Windmills of Your Mind that plays in the glider scene is written in a little bit more upbeat key than what we heard in the opening credits.
3: Round like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning on a never spinning reel, like a snowball down a mountain or a carnival balloon, like a carousel that's turning, running rings around the moon, like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face, and the world is like an apple. Whirling silently in space Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind Keys that jingle in your pocket Words that jangle in your head Why did summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along a shore And leave their footprints in the sand Is the sound of distant drumming, just the fingers of your hand? Pictures hanging in a hallway, and the fragment of a song Half-remembered names and faces, but to whom do they belong? When you knew that it was over, you were suddenly aware That the autumn leaves were turning to the colour of our hair circles that you find in the windmills of your mind
0: When Noel Harrison put his song onto a vinyl record, it wasn't very popular in the United States. It never baited onto the Billboard Hot 100 or any music chart in the summer of 1968. It wasn't until Dusty Springfield, who made The Look of Love into a sultry hit record in 1967, recorded her version that the song was a hit on the Billboard charts. In the last episode, I mentioned how neither of the two songs that were featured in Sidney Poitier movies in 1967 were nominated for an Oscar. The music branch members must have felt a bit of guilt about that, since they made sure to put in the title song for his 1968 film For Love of Ivy on the final list of five song nominees. Poitier came up with the original storyline about a black maid named Ivy in her 20s who wants to quit working for a rich white family and start a new career in New York City. The family's teenage kids, who are played by 20-somethings Beau Bridges and Laurie Peters, decide to fix the maid up with the owner of a trucking company, played by Sidney Poitier. The plot was not very exciting, but two black leads in a romantic comedy just didn't happen that often in the 1960s, and with Sidney Poitier in the movie, the concept would have been easy to digest in 1968. Quincy Jones and Bob Russell were back as Oscar nominees, writing a title song that feels very much like their last nominated tune, The Eyes of Love. Shirley Horn, one of the top black singers, as well as an accomplished pianist, lifts the song up with some passionate inflections as she sings during the closing credits about Ivy finally finding love with a man willing to sacrifice his own way of life.
5: Ivy's got Ivy
3: needs is love sweet love and ivy clings she's clinging to somebody who is longing
6: He would do
2: love
0: Abby Lincoln, who played Ivy, was an accomplished jazz singer at the time and would have been a great person to sing the song. It would have given the song a first person perspective with Lincoln singing about getting what she had always wanted. Shirley Horn's recording of the song was expanded beyond the 90-second film version, but the public wasn't very interested in it. It didn't get much radio play, even though the name Quincy Jones was becoming a popular name in the music industry after less than a decade working on film scores. But he didn't have the pull that Henry Mancini had during his Breakfast at Tiffany's days, and film songs were already having enough trouble finding popularity with the public. When it came time to start handing out awards for achievements in movies, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences seemed to agree on the best songs of the year. Almost. Four of the songs nominated for the Academy Award from 1968 were also nominees for the Golden Globes, with the exception being For Love of Ivy. In its place at the Golden Globes was Buona Sera, Mrs. Campbell, the title song from the comedy about an Italian woman who becomes pregnant after having affairs with three American soldiers during World War II. Now, if that sounds like a familiar plot line, you're not entirely wrong. The stage musical and following movie Mamma Mia deals with the same story, even though the writers say they didn't base the story on the 1968 film Buona Sera, Mrs. Campbell. Melvin Frank came up with the story of this Italian woman raising her daughter to believe her father is dead instead of telling the truth, and he also produced and directed the film. And even more, he wrote the lyrics to the film's song, which doesn't use the name Mrs. Campbell as the film title does. It's a fun little song that sets up the film as a comedy, stating that the Italian word for good day is not only the cause to make people smile, but also make people fall in love.
4: When the sky turns a hazy red The sun heads home for its lazy bed That's the time of day to say wanna Seda Friends get friendly, sweetheart smile They all know it a little while Such lovely things begin with Buona Zeta I would meet you where lovers meet A small piazza or a shady street Just to hear the way you say Buona Zeta If you said it in a thousand ways I'd be waiting for a thousand days For that little Italian phrase Buona Zeta The fields as you're passing by Mountain towns reaching for the sky Everybody stops to say Buena Seda. You can hear it as you're driving home South of Napoli or north of Rome It's good evening, welcome back Buena Seda. The day is ending, the night is near And I'm intending to get there dear For that special way you say when you say it, my world turns gay. It's not good morning, it's not good day. It's not I love you, but it sounds that way. Wanna say it? I would meet you where lovers meet. A small piazza or a shady street. Just to hear the way you say it. want They're two words that I've heard before. Lovely words that I still adore. But they mean just a little more. From you if you said it in a thousand ways, I'd be waiting for a thousand days for that little Italian phrase. Wanna say uh, wanna cedar, wanna cedar.
0: Riz Ordolani wrote the film score and the music for the song. You remember him as one of the songwriters for the song More from the Italian documentary Mondo Cane in 1963. That was the song that was put into the movie as a last-minute push for an Oscar nomination. Since then, Ortolani had become a major name among film composers in Italy, though a certain composer named Ennio Morricone was gaining traction with the release of the Sergio Leone Italian westerns at the same time. Ortolani was a favorite with the Hollywood Foreign Press, having earned his second Golden Globe nomination, even though I guess the Academy wanted nothing to do with them after he found a loophole with Moore five years earlier. One of the most popular comedies of 1968 had a very controversial plot and a very controversial original song to go along with it, a song that almost made it onto the Oscar nomination list. Mel Brooks was making a play for fame in the movies after success as a writer on Sid Caesar's TV show, and The Producers was his first film screenplay and his first time as a director. It was a tough sell to audiences, especially since it was a comedy about putting on a Broadway musical featuring Adolf Hitler. But Mel Brooks made it work, and it would become one of his most loved films we get to see part of that musical within the movie called Springtime for Hitler. The title song for that musical is sung as a lavish production number celebrating Hitler's rise in Germany and the hopes that he'll bring Germany back to its former glory. The song was written by Mel Brooks, showcasing his talents as a songwriter that had rarely been used in his television days. You'll hear Brooks himself singing the line, Don't be stupid, be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party.
1: Germany was having trouble What a sad, sad story Needed a new leader To restore its former glory Where, oh, where was he? Where could that man be?
4: We looked around And then we found A man for you comes the master race, springtime for Hitler and Germany, winter for Poland and France.
2: in Dusseldorf,
4: and that is why they call me Rolf. Don't be stupid. Be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party.
0: The premise of that musical was that it would be so bad that it was bound to close the same day it opens, thereby unable to recoup the costs and pay back the investors. But the play turns out to be a hit, and the two producers end up paying for their con game. Mel Brooks earned an Oscar nomination for his screenplay, and he could have joined Alan J. Lerner as a nominee for script writing and songwriting in the same year. But alas, that didn't happen in 1968. Perhaps the Academy's music branch didn't see the joke in springtime for Hitler, and I'm sure they all worried about performing the song on the telecast and likely getting some nasty mail from viewers who knew nothing about the movie from which the song came. I get that, but... They could have taken that gamble and helped springtime for Hitler get past the preliminary ballot into history as an Oscar-nominated song. The 26th Golden Globe Awards ceremony was held on February 24, 1969, the same day that the Academy Award nominations were announced. Winning the Golden Globe for Best Song was The Windmills of Your Mind, giving the Bergmans and Michel Legrand their first Golden Globe Awards. The three had to wait six weeks to find out if they would also be Oscar winners for the song. The major storyline surrounding the 41st Academy Awards was the lack of a host for the first time in history. Bob Hope wasn't sick or working on a film. The show's director, a Broadway veteran named Gower Champion, said even a master of ceremonies such as Bob Hope was a bore, and Bob Hope was reportedly relieved to be relieved of his duties that year. Instead, the show had ten friends of Oscar who would come in and out of the show to crack a few jokes and hand out some awards. The performances of the nominated songs had their charms and eccentricities, to say the least. Abby Lincoln got to perform For Love of Ivy after all, singing the song at the Oscars. Instead of Barbra Streisand singing Funny Girl, we got a very different rendition of the song from Aretha Franklin, who had soared to the top of the charts with respect about 18 months earlier. She was not the producer's first choice to sing the song, but Franklin's team convinced the producer that, quote, when she's through it, funny girl, Miss Streisand will never want to touch the song again, end quote. Aretha Franklin's version is jazzier than the way Streisand interpreted it, which still looks back on her life with remorse. <laughs> ¶¶
2: Bunny, good to hear that. Bunny,
4: yeah, the guy said, honey.
2: joke okay, is over, and
4: the laugh on you. A girl ought to have is such a sense of good life, It's something you really need. For
0: Jose Feliciano gave The Windmills of Your Mind a different flavor, and for just the second time in his career, Frank Sinatra performed on the Oscar telecast. Sinatra was one of the ten hosts of the show, and I guess he figured that doing one song could help with the sagging sales of his albums. The last time Sinatra sang a song at the Academy Awards ceremony was 1946, before he became the big-time superstar actor and singer that he still was in 1969. Sinatra's song this year was Star, singing in the place of Julie Andrews. But the real head-scratching performance of the night belonged to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Ingrid Bergman and Sidney Poitier, two Oscar-winning actors not known at all to have singing talents, were on hand to perform the song. Instead of singing the song... They recited the lyrics of the Sherman brothers as if it were a dialogue in the Shakespeare play Othello. Poitier plays Othello and Bergman is Desdemona. In act three, scene four of William Shakespeare's Othello, the jealous Moor inflamed by the lies of the wicked Iago confronts the slandered Desdemona.
3: And the essence of that classic situation loses little when translated into contemporary terms. Oh. You.
0: Pretty Chitty Bang Bang.
3: Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.
0: We love you.
3: And our pretty Chitty Bang Bang.
0: Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.
3: Loves us.
0: High, low, anywhere we go, on chitty we depend. Bang, bang, chitty,
3: chitty, Chitty. bang, bang. Our fine four-fendered friend.
0: Our fine four-fendered friend.
3: Look, there isn't a dry eye in the
4: house.
3: <laughs> well, with lines like that, how can you miss? How can you... Exactly.
0: After that, they introduced Paula Kelly and the UCLA marching band, who played only the music from the song. Columnist Ruth Nuttle was ecstatic about the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang performance, saying it was, quote, enough to knock your eye out as well as other appreciative aesthetic senses, end quote. Before the Song Award was presented, while Brooks won the original Screenplay Oscar and the music for Springtime Hitler got to have its moment at the Oscars as he sprinted to the stage. And he had one of the best speeches in Academy history. I'll just say what's in my heart, he said. Ba-bump, ba-bump, ba-bump. Sinatra was the one who would be announcing the winner of the best song, and it was The Windmills of Your Mind. Michelle Legrand wasn't there, but the Bergmans walked hand in hand to accept their Oscars. This marked the first win at the Oscars for a husband and wife team in any category, and the first time a winning song was composed by more than two people. The Bergmans won on their first nomination, and Marilyn Bergman was just the second woman in the 35-year history of the original song Oscar to win the award. The last one to do it? Dorothy Fields for The Way You Look Tonight, way back in 1937. And more history was made. It was the first time that a son had sung an Oscar winning song the year after his father sang. You'll remember Rex Harrison sang, and I'll put that in air quotes, the song Talk to the Animals in 1967 and now is his son Noel Harrison singing The Windmills of Your Mind in 1968 This year also marked the final Oscar nominations for two of the industry's best songwriters After writing the title song for Funny Girl, Jules Stein helped Merrill put the musical adaptation of Some Like It Hot on the stage called Sugar The show lasted on Broadway for a little more than a year Stein would never write another song for the movies again, bringing his Oscar nominations total to nine, with one win. Stein did reteam with Sammy Kahn in 1970 for the animated TV movie The Night the Animals Talked, about the animals in the stable during the birth of Christ, but that musical didn't really boost their careers. Jimmy Van Heusen had become unenthusiastic about writing songs now that they weren't resonating with the public, And after he and Sammy Kahn wrote two meager songs for the 1969 movie The Great Train Robbery, Van Heusen felt that the industry was demanding him to conform to the new musical idiom or step aside. So, he stepped aside. His 14 Oscar nominations was, at the time, tied for third highest among songwriters with Paul Francis Webster and behind Kahn's 24 and The 16 by Johnny Mercer. As for Khan, he wanted to keep working, but as he mentioned in his memoir, quote, the good and admittedly talented gentlemen who write the background scores for films seem to have displaced most of the so called named songwriters, especially those associated with Hollywood and movies in the past. Plus, his go to singer, Frank Sinatra, wasn't demanding original songs for his movies. After 1968, Sinatra only did two more theatrical films one in 1970 and one in 1980. And when he was releasing new albums, he wasn't asking Van Heusen and Kahn to help out. But that didn't keep Kahn for fighting for a place at the piano, and he'll be back in the songwriting game in the 1970s after a chance encounter with an old friend. So with the old guard stepping out of Hollywood, it gave the new guard more room to flex their songwriting muscles and usher movies and the Oscar for Best Song into the new era. We'll see what this brings to us in terms of nominations for 1969 on the next episode of the Best Song Podcast. I can tell you that it's going to be a great list and I can't wait to share it with you. Before we go, I want to give a special thank you to Victor Joss for sponsoring this episode. Thanks to everyone for subscribing to the Best Song Podcast and for singing along with me. We'll do it again next time. The Best Song podcast is not authorized or endorsed by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. The show's creator, writer, producer, and editor is Jeff Cummings. All music clips are permitted for use under the Education Clause of the Fair Use Doctrine in United States law.